Monday Night Football in Philly. One last ride. Eli's back. Welcome to Talking Giants. Getting ready for Monday Night Football, a pregame of that show. And things got interesting. Danny, we got Eli back. Hashtag one last ride. I'm your co-host, Bobby Skinner, coming to you. Previously recorded with my co-host, Danny King. We got a lot to get to. We got to get to the Eli news. We got an interview with Michael Kiss of Bleeding Green. We got to pick our giant factors. Danny. How are you feeling, my man? It was a crazy Tuesday. I'm sitting in the, uh, sitting in the middle of class. Wednesday. Wednesday, uh, Wednesday. I forgot. Time travel. Wait, no. I'm lost now. But Eli, uh, our friend Justin Penix sent the text like he's uh, dreading seeing Eli on Monday night. I was confused by that. I'm like, why, why are we going to see Eli Monday night? And then one of my friends said, yo, Eli Manning started. I'm like, no. I was like, no, he's not. They're like, yeah, Jones has a high ankle sprain. And I'm like, it's one last ride. That's all I thought of. It's one last ride. And be, I'm going to be honest with you. I was not looking forward to Monday Night Football. But now it's got my interest because Eli's such a wild card right now. Because it's one last ride. That's it's why. It's one last, one last ride. I'm so pumped for this. It's, I, I'm just excited now for Monday Night Football. I'm, I'm in both camps, Danny. So my brain says this is Daniel Jones' team. This is four games ahead against teams with bad passing defenses, twice against the Eagles, once against the Redskins, and once against the Dolphins. This would be great games for Daniel Jones. And you know what? As much as this stuff doesn't matter, I wanted him to break the rookie touchdown record owned by Baker Mayfield. Like, how fitting would that be that Baker Mayfield ran his mouth last year and Jones goes and beats that record in 14 games? I wanted that. I wanted him to grow more. Like, I, I love – like, that's been the one bright thing about the season – on Monday mornings has been going and looking at Daniel Jones and be like, man, just every week, it's like, look what he worked on this week. Look what he got better at. And it's, it's just, it's stuff that's important going forward, learning like every game matters going into next season as we go balls to the wall. But my heart does say Danny, that it will be cool to see Eli with one last ride. Like it's not, I'm not, I'm not hating it. It's going to be fun to see him. Uh, you know, I'm going to be in New York next week. So, I might be able to be at his last home game. You you were able to say that uh, in the Buffalo game, Danny. Now, I might just get that lucky that I get to see Eli's last home game, depending if he plays week 17 or not. But, I mean, you know, before we get into, like, X's and O's of it mattering, it is just – it's going to be weird seeing Eli out there. It was weird seeing him talk to the press again. It reminded you because I was, like – I was so looking forward. Like, I can't wait till they drop the video of his time talking to the media. And it's like, you know what? It's same old boring Eli. Like, he's not saying anything. I mean, I look at it two ways. One, any game, Jones is going to, four games, it's going to suck just because he can't finish the season. But as you said, it's four games against not good passing teams. Well, obviously, it would have been nice to see him break the record. At least he's had already faced challenges this year with Minnesota, 
Uh, he, he had Green Bay last week. I'm trying to think of other good teams he's played. But he played good pass at defenses, and he's faced the challenges. So he... He's, he's gotten the experience we need. and But now, I also look at, like, yes, it's going to suck he's on the bench, but maybe watching Eli, he'll get even more experience to see how Eli's going to go out there and see how he can maybe control the offensive line because the offensive line has struggled under Jones. And while they struggled, struggled under Eli to start the year, maybe Eli can get these guys back on track for these next four games. So as you, it sucks Jones not be able to finish the season, most likely. At this point, if Jones does get healthy, I, I don't think I want him out there because why risk anything else? Obviously, if he gets fully healthy, then put him out there. But if he's not 100%, I don't want him out there guiding this team that has no hope for the rest of this season. I would take him at 80 90% because he's a football player and football players play. Uh, Danny, do you think that there is any, like, nefarious behind the scenes stuff that has any influence on this because somebody a, a writer uh pretty much didn't even hint at it said like that is what is happening today no there's no way like we gotta make it i, I forgot who said it but someone said it. i'm sorry i'm forgetting their name but eli manning in 2017 when geno smith he was bent for geno smith eli was offered to keep the streak alive he says no eli he doesn't want to play he doesn't want a farewell tour he wants to play football if he's needed to play football, and that's what he he's needed to play football. Jones, you saw what happened to his ankle. He had like a 200, 300-pound guy land on his ankle. He's obviously not fine, all right? And he, I don't get why people are thinking there's a conspiracy theory here. If Jones could play, he would play because you know why? Putting Eli Manning in, what's stopping John Mara now from pulling the plug on Pat Shermer? It's not that Jones is playing right now. It's Eli Manning. So I love how people are like, this is Pat Shermer's last-ditch effort. It's like, no, his last-ditch effort is Daniel Jones. His last, Eli, Eli's not here to save his job. Eli's here, for one, to possibly have a four-game audition for other teams if he chooses to keep playing. But two, why would Pat Shermer go to Eli? His future isn't Daniel Jones. What would have kept Pat Shermer here is Daniel Jones. And there's there's no, no, nothing crazy behind it. There's no conspiracy theory. Eli did not want a farewell tour. If he didn't have to get it, now he's going to get it because Jones is injured, and I, I that that's such a dumb fear that there's something crazy going on behind the scenes. If Jones could play, he would play. You see, he wants to play, but he, he the Giants are protecting him from himself. That's yeah, and Mike right Mike Garofalo said of NFL Network said that it's there's no kind of like it was Mike that said it. It was Mike yeah. that said it, uh, and it was Pat Leonard who just wrote the wildest article this morning. That's all he does. Danny, I've I've made the decision as we've kind of grown the season, it's the end of the season, that I'm not I'm not pulling punches anymore. I'm not trying to get along with everybody. I'll call out Pat Leonard when he sucks. I'll call out Matt Lombardo when he's just himself because his self is sucky. Uh right, rooted for the Eagles on Monday night. Oh, he is. And I listen, I know people like bring that up. Cause he, you know, he he was an Eagles fan. There's like literally articles of that. Um like that doesn't bother me. What bothers me about Matt Lombardo is he he writes like a troll, which is like that's I don't know. I just feel like that's what not what NJ.com should be about. Anyways, I don't if even want to. If you're an Eagles fan, I just hate you in general. <laughs> well, you know, I did the interview with Michael Kiss. Well, we'll have coming up in a few minutes, and I said, and I this this might get me in trouble with Giants fans that I low key loved Eagles fans. I think how dumb and crazy they are. I I aspire to that. I wish Giants fans were more like that, Danny. Now, their pregame warm-ups is fighting in the parking lot. That's I, I love it. I like that. 
I absolutely dread that city. I dread their fans. I dread the people of Philadelphia. I hate everything about that city. You'll, I will never compliment that city. I don't care. That's where our country it's was a, founded. It's a love-hate relationship for me, where it's like, <laughs> yes, I hate the Eagles. I hate going at it with Philly fans. But I respect how insane they are. And I've said it. I've never been to an Eagles game, Danny. But almost every single NFL game I've been to, someone in an Eagles jersey has been kicked out. That, you know, that's my favorite. Like, you're at the middle of a Giants game. All of a sudden, you look around, you see a, a green jersey. And you're like, what is that? Then it's a Deshaun ja- Jackson jersey. It's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> and they're getting into fistfights. I, I love it, to be honest. Bro, I, I, can, I, I haven't gone to an Eagles game either, but I can only imagine what it's like up in, like, the nosebleeds up there. And they're probably just fighting left and right. I'm going to I'm gonna make a point in the next couple years to go to a Giants game in Philly. Um, and I probably will get into a fight. But, you know, I'll, I'll bring you as my backup. Sound good, Danny? That sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> All right. The five um, foot nine kid trying to fight an Eagles fan. Uh, all right. So let's talk injuries, and that'll lead into actually talking X's and O's uh, for this game with Eli Manning. Uh, Tate, Ingram, and Elson should be back. So, ironically, Daniel Jones finally has all his weapons, and all his weapons don't have Daniel Jones. So we're going to have Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, Golden Tate, Saquon, all there finally. For Jones, and he's he's just not there. Luck, luckily, Eli gets them. Uh, Danny, I will say, before we talk about Eli, Caden Smith has to play over Ellison at this point, right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. All right. I can agree with you on that. Caden Smith. Or even if the Giants, I feel like now it's probably going to be Ingram, Ellison, Smith and then Simonson, and then obviously I feel like they it's going to be Ellison and uh, Smith that will I feel like be the rotating two because before it was Ellison and Simonson, but yeah, Caden Smith's much better than uh, Simonson right now. Ellison, yeah, Caden Smith is probably better at than Ellison right now, but the thing is with uh, familiarity right now, Eli and Ellison have that connection; they've had it since they've been here, so I feel like they'll want Eli and Ellison to be the two. Uh, I, I just think Smith has to be the guy because he's young and Ellison, like, I don't know. I feel like he's going to be, I think, I feel like he's going to be moved with Caden Smith and we want to see everything we can out of Caden Smith to make sure it wasn't just two good games. Although I did like what I saw out of him the past two weeks. Uh, all right, let's talk X's and O's. How is Eli different than Daniel Jones? Well, obviously the willingness to check down. He's a statue. The, 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 yes, that. Um, but at the same time, Daniel Jones has kind of been a statue, too. Like, Daniel Jones is a pocket passer. Um, you know, he uses his legs. Obviously, he got hurt on a fourth and two uh, quarterback design run where he trucked homeboy. But Daniel Jones does throw from the pocket, and he doesn't really know how to maneuver through the pocket yet. That's something he has to work on. Uh, you know, he gets outside and, and whatnot. Like, obviously, he, he does that, and Eli can't. But Eli, like you said, he stays in the pocket. He's going to throw quicker. And I made this uh, metaphor on Wednesday afterwards that the only the good the one thing that you can maybe say is a positive about this is Daniel Jones has come in. He's learned how to lead an offense down the field. He's learned how to play NFL quarterback. He's done a pretty damn good job of it, especially for year one. But what have we said, you know, because everyone's a house take one not involved in the passing game. A lot of it is on Daniel Jones, not only just getting people in the right spot, but. Like, the, the same routes that Saquon got 90 catches on last year are there. It's just Jones has, has got his eyes downfield. He really doesn't focus on Saquon. Like, there's not a lot of stuff where it's designed to go to Saquon. They, you know, they do a few a game, but not, like, not crazy. Uh, and I don't really blame them to do that because, you know, 
the the goal is progression of Jones and getting him to move his eyes downfield. But now that he's kind of got all like the basics down and learned how to move an offense down the field, now he can see the little ins and outs, his quirks, the little stuff that Eli does. And one of those things I really think is hitting Saquon in the passing game and knowing when, okay, it's not going to open up downfield. I need to get this to Saquon on a running back out route. You said it right there. I I think Jones being on the bench will will also benefit him, as you said, seeing how Eli is able to control this offense. Because Jones has already he's learned how to run an NFL offense and he did a good job of it. But now, as you said, he could get to like that the small thing of being able to now realize, hey, it's not all about going downfield. Checking down is fine every once in a while. He could see how can Eli controls the line of scrimmage. He he did that before, but Jones would probably was in his mind as he was studying, but he wanted to get out there and play. Now that he's on the bench, he's going to be able to see how Eli does this all. And one thing I just realized I'll have to get used to Eli again is something Jones was not willing to do is self-sack himself. I'm going to have to remind myself that Eli is going to do that at times this game. Or maybe Eli just says, screw it. I'm just going to go ball to the wall and he trucks someone. That'll never happen. That is a wild card because Eli's not fighting for his job anymore. Like, What's to stop Eli from saying, you know what, homeboy? Y'all don't remember how I used to sling it. I'm going to gun a few passes. I'm going to throw that ball deep to Slayton. Darius Slayton, nice to meet you. Because Eli, I don't think he's ever thrown a pass to Darius Slayton. Because Slayton was hurt throughout all camp. He wasn't in that starting uh, rotation, uh, even when he was healthy. And then Slayton's debut in the NFL was week three versus Tampa. So that'll be interesting because Daniel Jones is probably like security blanket has been Darius Slayton to see how Eli uses him. And then you'd be like, you know what? Homeboy gets the ball deep and he can make some plays. I'm going to wing it to him. I I really think Eli is not going to be – he's going to check the ball down. Like, I'm not saying that he's not going to, but homeboy's going to wing it a few times. But also, what also we have to think about what if Eli does want to keep playing, let's say, like, because we, we don't know what he's thinking. Well, I think he'll retire. What if Eli think it differently? This is a four, at least he has an audition tape right now. He, I, I think he's going to be aggressive. I don't think Eli's going to hold it back. He's going to leave it all out there on the field because right now he's 116, 116 all time. He, he does not want to finish below. 500. Obviously, he can't control what the defense does, but he's going to leave it all out there for the offense to give the offense the best chance to win. And he's going to be in fantastic shape. He has not taken a hit since week two. He's he's in the right mental state, I feel, to go out there and play a hell of a game of football. Because what's stopping him from doing that? As you said, he's got nothing to lose at this point. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Like I said, it's going to be it's going to be must watch TV. I think. I think there's been some Giants fans who have tuned games out, but Monday Night Football is going to be appointment TV for the nation, too, to see what's going on with Eli. Yeah, as I told you, ESPN execs are salivating at this possibility right now. Yeah. Um, and I think if I'm the Eagles, I'm, I'm personally scared because Eli, he's going to be pissed off that he got benched. Well, and Michael Kiss, who we have on uh, in a second, I don't want to spoil the interview, but he does say that the Eagles' weakness in the past game hasn't been like getting like getting tortured in deep passes. It's been the underneath stuff and bad tackling. So, like, that kind of actually favors Eli. So, we'll see. Um, Danny, on the defensive side, I am not confident at all. Alshon Jeffrey is back and healthy. The only guy out is Jordan Howard for the Eagles. Miles Sanders has been pretty decent for them. Carson Wentz had a good game last week. I think a lot of the criticism has been a little overblown. 
Um, you got Alshon Jeffrey. You got Zach Ertz. Nelson Aguilar, he drops passes, but he is a weapon. That offensive line, that is really good. I am not confident in our defense even a little bit, Danny. Like, I don't think I don't think there's like, oh, James Betcher, if you do this, this is what you need to do. I just think they'll kind of have our way – they'll have their way with us unless our guys can just play like awesome man on the outside and covering the Ertz. That's what I said. I said, I think Eli's going to leave everything out on the field from the offense. He doesn't want to finish below 500, but he can't control what this defense is going to do. And I'm with you. I'm very much afraid. Uh, the Eagles, they haven't been spectacular on offense, but this could be the game where they find themselves. As you said, all Sean, Jeff, they're a scary group for Giants fans, at least, because what can our defense stop? What's stopping Zach Ertz? Al Gogletree? David Mayo? No. Nothing. Nothing is. Um, you got you got Lane Johnson, the, one of the best right tackles, or yeah, right tackles in the league. Our, our, we can't get a pass rush going. I'm very, I'm with you. I'm terrified right now. Yeah, it's it's as you're, like you said. There's nothing like every game. I've kind of had like this is what the Giants need to do, and this game is like there's really nothing. The only way is if like they we got to get some interception, like get some like interceptions and get Wentz. Really, it's just getting Wentz to make mistakes. So I guess blitzing, but Wentz is good. Um, you know, he still makes mistakes, but he he is really good. I, I like you know I think Wentz is a really good quarterback. Um, you look at his numbers and they're not as bad as people make them out to be. Not throwing as many touchdowns, but he still looks really good. Um, Danny, anything else? Before we move to this interview, I'm trying to think. I mean, we covered, you know, the offense. Um, offensive line will be, you know, like, they have some good guys. You know, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, like, they have weapons um, there. They're, I guess their weakness would be their linebackers um, and their corners. So there will be plays to be made on offense. And that's why I was kind of looking forward to this game with Jones. We'll see what happens with Eli. Eli's going to have to get the ball out quick. Um, yeah. Oh, and I wanted to say something. This is off topic, but with Ron Vera, I like Ron Vera, I do. Um, and everyone, I've kind of like, people think I'm a Shermer apologist. Ron Vera is somebody I would be fine with firing Shermer for. Like, I'm, I don't believe in just firing Shermer for the sake of firing him. I believe in firing somebody because you have your guy you're going to go get. That's why, like, when Coughlin was fired, I was like, I'm fine with this if they go get Sean Payton, but this is stupid to fire Coughlin and just upgrade everybody one position. What's the point of this? What was funny is I posted the clip, Danny, of him being like, we want back to back to back. And he was like emphasizing that because one of those seasons was seven, eight and one. And Danny, I had Giants fans like this guy has confidence. Now, could you imagine if Pat Shermer was bragging about a seven, eight and one season? How different Giants reactions. <laughs> it's just I find that funny. It's like. We just kind of get lost on our own things. Like, this guy has confidence. I love it. It's like he's bragging about a 7-8-1 season. And I like Ron Rivera. I would love for him to be the Giants head coach. I'd be completely fine. In fact, I'd be excited if they fired Pat Schirmer for Ron Rivera. But I just thought, I just thought it was funny. Then they're like, this is, this is the kind of confidence we need. Like, what, bragging about a 7-8-1 season? I said that in the beginning of the show. Since Jones isn't in it, he's. I say he's done for the year. What's stopping the Giants from firing Pat Sherman now? There's nothing holding them back right now. And so, what would be the point? What would be the point though to fire at midseason? I don't. I don't get, get Ron why Rivera. Fire- if 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 the, if the yeah, mutual but Rivera, is there, Rivera's going to go through the interviews though. He's not going to. He's not going to be hired in in season. Like we, and I mean, they and and you can go. They could go and talk with him now and and figure it out. I mean, the Raiders did it with Gruden. Um, you know, a, a couple years back, there's nothing stopping them from going and talking to Rivera now. 
But Rivera's going to want to talk to Jerry Jones in Dallas. We, we, we don't know, but I'm not saying Pat Shermer's going to fire him and make that clear midseason. I, I stand, stood by it's that. It's not going to happen. There, there's, no, there's no way yeah. in hell they're going to fire him before the season's over. Uh, well, I don't want to say that. Something crazy could happen. But as of right now, even if we lose all four of these games, there's no, I just don't think there's any way they fire Pat Shermer before the season is over. Yeah, but also— I, I, Even I was, if their decision's made, they're not going to do it yeah. in season. But it, it, I, this is, it's funny seeing this debate on China Twitter— it's it's Eli has all the possibility. His parting gift to us is screwing us at Chase Young, and I feel like Eli would have it no other way than winning out and just real just walking away in the sunset, thinking oh, I cost them Chase Young. Danny, I was hashtag run the table last week. This week I'm all I'm all in on the tank. I really am, especially if Eli's playing. We don't have to worry about the progression of Jones. Let's just tank this baby. Hashtag one last ride. Hashtag one last ride. Hashtag tank for Chase. All right, Danny. We now have an interview with Michael Kiss at Michael Kiss NFL. Go make sure to follow him, even though he's an Eagles fan. He does a, a good podcast for uh, uh, Bleeding Green, the SB Nation Eagles. He also does stuff for the Scout Academy, so he does a lot of draft stuff. So, I mean, I know our, our listeners love draft stuff. Um, so go give him a follow. But without further ado, here is Michael Kiss. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right. We welcome on from our our biggest rivals, the Philadelphia Eagles. Michael Kist of Bleeding Green, uh, SB Nation Eagles section, host of the Bleeding Green Nation podcast. Michael, how you doing, my man? I'm doing well, man. Always good to talk some football. Yeah, definitely. So I, I want to just jump right into it. You guys are a team that has a lot of talent, and it just seems like things haven't been working out this year. I mean, you know, the the loss to the Dolphins last week seems like you're at your all-time low. Just big picture before we, you know, talk about, you know, Wentz uh, on a deeper level. I mean, what's going on with Philly right now? Yeah, I, I mean, it has to be called an abject failure based on where expectations for not only were people in Philadelphia media thought the Eagles would be at this point in the season, but from the national media as well, that was, you know, tabbing this team as a, as a top three talented roster in the NFL. And you have the combination of, of coaches won a Super Bowl before Carson Wentz, who's been, you know, in the MVP discussion before back in 2017 and the weapons that they kind of built around them. And then immediately, you know, they were dealt a shot pretty early with Deshaun Jackson's injury and that changes what they could be as an offense. And I think they're also as an offense experiencing some brain drain, you know, you promote from within, you promote your wide receivers coach, coach Mike Rowe to replace Frank Reich and John Filippo has gone to, to other places currently in Jacksonville now. And you have that kind of issue too, where the offense I don't think is as creative or as fresh as it was when they were, you know, taking over the league in 2017. And then you have a defense that, you know, vacillates between average to poor and they've dealt with injuries too. But at the same time, the people that they think are the answers that have come back and maybe played well for a little bit, uh, they played really, really poorly against uh, the Miami Dolphins and it all kind of uh, culminated in that disaster against Miami. And there, you know, there are the things that, you know, Orlando Skandrick has said that the Eagles have had problems dealing with success. And I, I believe that to be true as well. So it seems like there's a disconnect with the leadership on the team and there's a disconnect with the, what, what the offense wants to be and what they can be with the personnel that they have right now with Deshaun going 
slowing down and whatnot and guys coming in and out of the rotation. You see now that Jordan Howard still isn't clear for contact. They were a heavy run team earlier in the season. They can't do as much as they as they want to with Miles Sanders in there. So they had to lean heavy pass. And it just no, nothing seems stable from with this team from week to week. And they've been able to pull themselves. They've been unable to pull themselves out of this mess and uh, unable to go on a run in what is really a really weak NFC East, which is unfortunate, just kind of underlies how bad things are going for them. Yeah, from, you know, I've only watched a couple of Philadelphia Eagle games from beginning to start, and two of them were Atlanta and the New England game. Um, and, like, I, I mean, both those games ended with, you know, Nelson Aguilar drops in the sense, you know, that the, the Atlanta one that, you know, they came back afterwards. But, um, I mean, what's going on with Carson Wentz? Because obviously the national media is saying this guy was overhyped, he was overhyped, it was just the one year. Um, when you look at the raw numbers, they don't look, you know, they don't look much off from the 2017 when, you know, he was arguably going to win the MVP if he doesn't get hurt. I mean, do you think there's some overblown stuff in the media or is Wentz like having some real problems in year four? Yeah, it's interesting with Wentz because I, I don't think he's playing on that 2017 level, but I think there are a lot of different reasons for it. You bring up the the Atlanta game, which is a good one to, to, to talk about and kind of put things in a certain framework because coming into that game, they didn't know that they weren't going to have you know, Alshon Jeffrey, uh, Deshaun Jackson only played a few snaps. That when we were, that's when we were just learning about the injury. Dallas Goddard can't go, so you rip up the entire, you know, 12 personnel part of the playbook, which is about 50% of their playbook. You have to rip up a bunch of stuff going into that first half, and Wentz had a terrible first half, just an abysmal one, trying to get on the same page with his wide receivers, and that's been an ongoing theme throughout the season. And then the second half, he plays lights out ball and gets them back in the game, and then as soon as they get in a position to go win the game, Nelson Aguilar has a uh, has a big time drop for a touchdown, and that's happened in about three to four different games, where either game winning touchdowns or game tying touchdowns were dropped by these receivers. And Carson Wentz right now has the highest percentages of uh, deep passes dropped by his receivers. So even when Wentz is playing well, and I think for a good portion of the season that he has played well, uh, it, minus the Dallas game, minus the recent two games with New England and Seattle, where a lot of things were going on there too. But you take those games out, and overall, I think you see a quarterback that was playing from a solid to above average level. But the problem is, it is never matched with this team. This team is either not playing complementary football on defense. For instance, he only threw one pass before he was down 10 nothing against Minnesota. Overall, I thought I thought he had a really good game that game. So that, you know, that goes into that. They get boat raced by Dallas after, after an early turnover. Two turnovers, actually, in the beginning of that game. They get boat race there so the Miami they give up 37 points to Miami what the heck is that all about and the offense looked good in that game so they're just not playing complimentary football and they're having trouble getting meaningful contributions from the carousel that they have at their outside wide receiver positions you mentioned Nelson Aguilar he's taking a big step back uh, people are looking at the position coach in in Philadelphia the wide receiver coach Carson Waltz and he's basically a dead man walking so that guy's probably gone so it's been an up and down season for Wentz. It's not without reason, um, and that's why I'm still hopeful for the future. But the problem is they need to get fit, get it figured out and make a run here. And I don't know if that's necessarily possible for this year. Overall, I think Carson Wentz is a very good quarterback that has had a stretch of a very bad couple of games and has bounced back from that. Um, but overall, you know, looking at the offense, it's just not something that I think can be a dangerous threat to you know opposing defenses throughout the season. Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned the drops, especially on, on the deep balls, and I know that can be frustrating because, you know, when the Giants went and drafted Daniel Jones and I started going and looking at, you know, every throw going through, 
And, you know, people are like, oh, he doesn't throw the ball well deep. I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's had two, three deep balls dropped in almost every single game, 20-plus air yards. And it's like, he's actually really good at it. It's just it hasn't showed up there, you know, including, like, big games like Clemson. Yeah. So, speak – go or go ahead. Oh, no, I mean, no, you bring up a good point. And that's something that you have to, you know, bring in a proper context when you look at those stats because you'll see that, like, once his, you know, yards per attempt are down, well, how would they look if maybe, like, three of those six deep balls were caught? You know, how are we talking about once from a national media perspective if those game-winning touchdowns weren't dropped? We're, we're so results-based in the way that we do our analysis, and that's something we try to avoid at BGN Radio. We try to give the context and the reason why, not to give excuses, but just so we can understand what is actually the problem and what conversations we need to have. Because there are flaws in Carson Wentz's game, uh, but a lot of the stuff we talk about is just media nonsense. That's that's really all I had on that. Yeah, and that's something that we try and deal with. And and one of the biggest problems is, you know, you don't get that, that all-22 film until – you know, Tuesday morning, and mm-hmm. the narrative's already formed. Yeah. And then when you're like, well, this is what actually happened. And it's just like, oh, you're just, you're making excuses for Shermer or Jones or whatever. Yep. But I want, I want to talk about Jones. Now, obviously, he's out for this game. And I was, you know, looking forward to seeing, you know, because the, the seeing that the problems you guys have had with the pass defense. Now, he's not out. So we won't talk about him in this matchup. But from an Eagles fan and, and someone who covers the Eagles perspective, I mean, what are your thoughts on Jones? Um, and like, how have they changed has, you know, from draft time till now? Yeah, I was not a big Daniel Jones guy going into the draft. I had watched him, you know, live at the a senior bowl in Mobile. I thought he had a rough week of practice despite having a good game. Uh, most scouts don't even care about the game. They're out of town by the time the, uh, the game rolls around because they're really there for the practices, but it's not, did not have a high opinion of him. I will say this. I mean, he has for my, for my eyes, exceeded expectations as far as what he's going to be or what he should have been in his rookie year. And, you know, I don't take a whole lot of stock into rookie seasons for quarterbacks. There's just not a strong signal there. When you get the strong signal, it's year two, year three. Uh, in year one as a rookie, you're establishing a baseline. You're figuring out who this guy is, what works for him, what doesn't work, what you need to work on in the offseason from a mechanic standpoint, from a mental standpoint. You're putting stuff on film for him to grind through and learn from. And I think that's going to be a process for Daniel Jones and we'll know more about him next year. So while he has done some nice things this year, ultimately, there have been some bad things, too. How much stock do you put in him? I really don't know. I'm not going to rush to judgment on the guy just because I was low on him, you know, coming out in the draft. I don't need to confirm my bias. No one cares about my draft ranking. So but I I think Jones has shown, you know, a a solid ability to to be an NFL quarterback. And that's a plus. He doesn't look lost out there. You know, from a mental perspective, he looks he looks fine. And as the offensive line, you know, starts to to grow around him and the weapons start to grow around him and gets better chemistry with him, you might see you might see better from him. There's no reason to think that he's going to fall off a cliff or he's not going to develop or anything like that. But overall, I, you know, from a one read perspective, I like the guy. I think he can do some work, you know, making some fuller field progressions and whatnot. But that'll that'll all come with time you know, develop him and, and, and work him out. And he's got some good physical tools to work with. So everything's there for him to be a successful quarterback. Right. Right. So now you guys don't get to see him this week and maybe we'll get to see you get to see him week 17, but you get the news and like, you know, on your guys show yesterday, you had recorded talk about <laughs> Daniel Jones and then you get the news that he like, man, it's get, you know, this starting and, and we've been through stuff like that before too. What is your reaction as like, okay, like 
And I, I heard you guys say something. Well, actually, it's, it's more of a favorable match matchup. I mean, what are your thoughts when Eli Manning gets that call? Yeah, so there's different strengths and weaknesses. You know, if you're if you're the Eagles defensive line and you're looking at Jones, who's a quarterback that tends to hold on to the ball a little bit longer, thinking, okay, he's got ball security issues too. Maybe the key to success is getting a couple fumbles in there, creating some key turnovers for the offense, create advantageous uh, situation for them. With Eli, Eli is going to get the ball out quicker. It's going to come out in a different way, though. I think we called him a, a checkdown to checkdown quarterback instead of that phrase touchdown to checkdown. As far as the way that he makes his reads, um, he definitely doesn't have the arm anymore i think we saw in training camp he's got a lollipop arm that's just deflated at this point and already with his mental process you know he, he doesn't want to take hits or anything like that he's going to check this puppy down what that means is the eagles are going to have to basically like they can play off cover three they can play their defense and whatnot but they have to come up and tackle in space which has been a problem for them because when eli checks it down to barkley in the flats or you know they go trips and they run slants and they put you know barky running barkley running out to the flats that way and he's lost matched up with a linebacker that linebacker has to come up with that tackle now Saquon is having a down year partly because of the high ankle sprain that I think he came back too quickly from but it it makes it so that the Eagles are going to have to be uber focused on on the fundamental fundamentals in this game so it changes the game that way for them it might not be so much about the defensive line it'll just be about coming up and rallying tackling being secure that way yeah I think it's going to be interesting because you know, I'm excited about Daniel Jones. I've I've been just about as high as on him as, as anybody. But obviously, you know, he's a rookie and he has flaws. And I think one of those is is that he doesn't look for Saquon quick enough. And you mentioned that he's very focused downfield. And there's times where Eli would have gotten to Saquon. And so that's kind of like the debate. Like, okay, is Eli going to get Saquon in the right place? And then, you know, we don't, you know, Pat Shermer's not going to tell us what kind of audible power Jones has. So I was like, okay, is there times where he should be checking out a run and he's not doing it because he doesn't have that freedom? So I do think it's going to be interesting to see how Eli comes back in and runs this offense. And knowing that it might be, you know, one last hurrah where he's like, you know what, I am going to just gun it, uh, you know, a few times. And we saw him do that a little bit towards the end of last season. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see what kind of Eli we get. Yeah, and I mean, if Eli looks at what, the old, oldest dirt Ryan Fitzpatrick was able to do to this Eagles defense. You know, I, I've, I've said it before with this Eagles defense, they, they're so committed to stopping the run that all it takes to beat this team is to take, just test them, take some shots. Even if they even if they look like they're covered, we saw what Devonte Parker looked like. He had a career game against the, against the Eagles. We saw what, you know, Mike Gusecki looked like he had a career game against the Eagles as well. So you just have to be willing to, to test them we'll see if Eli is if he is I think he can have some success some success because Darius Slayton's a burner I really like him so he's going to have some downfield opportunities Jalen Mills the cornerback for the Eagles can't run with anybody and then you have Sterling Shepard you know who's a, who's a good you know good in the air he can come down with some of those catches Evan Ingram the tight end we'll see if he plays or not but you know he he's he's a guy that can definitely moss some people so if Eli is willing to test this secondary by just putting it in the air and allowing his guys to go make a play I think that's their biggest route to success but that all comes down to Eli yeah and you uh you you mentioned you guys stopped the run well um and and you actually you mentioned Slate and I just want to you know make the point that it's it's going to be weird uh not weird it's going to be I'm wondering how they're going to use Slayton because Eli had no time with Slayton in camp mm-hmm. and then his debut was actually against Tampa which was Jones debut as well mm-hmm. so that'll be but you mentioned you guys are good at stopping the run and obviously, Saquon's had it down here. The ankle has been a part of it, um, you know, because, you know, you look at the first two games and they were running the ball really well, actually. But anyways, 
they they run the ball inside, and Giants fans can't stand that. But basically, that's because we haven't been able to block on the edge. Mm. Um, so it's, you know, there's no point of running outside if you can't do it. I mean, w- is that going to be a problem for the Giants? Like, is is that what the Eagles are good at stopping? Yeah, if you're basically limited in what you can do as a running offense, and the and the Giants make it pretty clear from a scheme perspective the way that they line up, like. This is how we run the ball, and we do it from these sets, and this is how we pass the ball, and these look totally different. <laughs> so the Eagles can kind of key in on that stuff, and if it's only inside, it is going to be a problem. And you make a good point about, you know, you can't really un- run it outside with this offensive line because, like, when they spread it out and and try to run inside and they try to get lighter boxes, like, one of the five guys is getting beat. And then when they have to work in unison, especially, you know, working like an outside zone concept or something like that, they're really not that unit yet that works together. It's it's kind of a disjointed kind of mess. So the longer time that you have behind the line of scrimmage as you're trying to stretch this thing horizontally, the more time you have for a mishap along the offensive line. Uh, that's something that's going to take time. You know, I, I think Will Hernandez is playing good ball. I think Kevin Zeitler's playing good ball. And the, the center, Jalapio, I think he's playing decent enough. It just doesn't seem like it's come together for them yet. And that takes time. You know, we have the luxury in Philadelphia of having an offensive line that's been together for a while now. Really, the only the only change in a while has been the left guard, Isaac Siamalo. But these other guys, you know, you go from center right they played together for the last four years together, and they're like in tune with each other to the point where our right guard and our right tackle, Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks, throw up at the same time on game day in the morning and then text each other and talk about it. So like they're, they're really in sync that way, and I think that's what the Giants are missing right now. So I'm not too worried about the running game because, like you said, with, with Barkley being banged up, you usually have to worry about one at least one big play from Barkley no matter what you block up. But the fact that he's now physically limited is highlighting and magnifying his weaknesses as a runner because he can't make up for it with that super freak athleticism to this point. Now, maybe he's healthier for this game. I don't know. But that's what I'm seeing right now if I'm the, if I'm the Eagles defensive line. Yeah, and he, he looked a little bit better the past couple of weeks. But you, you can definitely tell, and a lot of it's been in his blocking where he's been bad at yeah. picking up blitzes. And, and, you know, the Jets... Jamal Adams uh, exploited that the most, and it was exploited against Arizona when he first came back. But I do want to flip to the other side of the ball. I have a feeling, without looking at you guys, this is going to be your get-right game. Because, you know, Trubisky had a decent game against us, and he's as low as it is, you know, from the national view. And our struggles have been, we play this zone four-man rush. And, you know, James Betcher was brought in because he's aggressive and he blitz mm-hmm. 44, 45% of the time. Mm-hmm. And most games, it's between 20 and 25% of the time. And you're pitting Alec Ogletree and, and Antoine Bethea, who, aren't, who are guys who just aren't good at coverage. You know, Bethea late in his career. And, like, covering the middle of the field and teams have destroyed us with that. And then we have switched out our corners and the nickel spot where, you know, the, the Bears just lined up Allen Robinson at slot, and he had his best game. The Packers did it last week with Devontae Adams, and he had his way with this team. And in fact, Janoris G- Jenkins complained about it after the game. Yeah, is is this going to be Carson Wentz get right game? Yeah, I mean, he played really well against Miami, despite the fact that they lost. They put up 31 points and they had a missed field goal. But I think you're right. You know, when you look at this this Giants defense, I think a complete overhaul is needed, not only from a coaching perspective, but from a talent perspective. And, and I'll give kind of J- James Betcher kind of a pass because he, he isn't able to do what he wants to do with his defense from a talent perspective. But, you know, obviously he has to coach them up and, and scheme it up right. But you're right. He's supposed to be this aggressive coach. And when we did our preview series on the New York Giants coming into the year, I was like, Yo, I, looking at last year's numbers, Jay, Betcher didn't 
let it go like he usually does. And he, and he hasn't been able to. So it's a conservative defense. Then you have an experienced uh, an inexperienced secondary that is giving up a lot of big plays on third and long situations. There's a lot of confusion and pattern match situations. So, you know, going vertical from the slot has killed them. Um, the defensive backs are incredibly susceptible to any kind of double moves. The pass rush is not quick enough to get there to help out the secondary. So you don't have that complementary football between the pass rush and the coverage to help them out. It seems like there's a lot of pre-snap confusion with them. Communication-wise, they're blowing coverage assignments because of pre-snap movement or motions or shifts that offenses are doing to them, and that's hurting them. And like you said, the linebackers, is, you know, Ogletree is supposed to be this cover guy. He's he's, he's a pretty poor cover guy uh, and, and isn't able to get the job done there. He's he's blown some assignments in zone coverage recently, so leaving big voids in the in the middle of the field for – uh, you know, for different various concepts and whatnot. So there's a lot going wrong with this Giants defense. As far as from a passing perspective, I would expect the Eagles to be able to have their way with them. Yeah, it's it's been frustrating to watch. I mean, Antoine Bethea has turned into a center fielder, which at at his age is ridiculous. <laughs> he's made he's made his money in the box the last couple of years. Yeah, and with James Betcher, it's like, what are you doing, man? Like, I, I understand Peppers might play that spot better, but Bethea can't play that center field spot at all. I, I mean, in the, in the Packers game was the first time I think he got to the sideline on a cover three. <laughs> Look, it was, it really was. Um, he's great in run support. Like, he, he's really solid there. And, and Peppers is is awesome, too. I think he's been playing really well. But I think you're right. I think they're kind of miscast right now. Yeah, and that's the thing is Peppers has been the Giants' best playmaker from that mm-hmm. spot, which is awesome. But it's like at the sacrifice, I have Bethea deep. But it's like, yeah. man, I'd rather have Peppers less of a playmaker for not getting up those plays. Mm-hmm. And I, I it sounds simplistic. But on third downs, especially, the Giants have been successful when blitzing and playing man coverage, especially third and longs. And we've seen it so many times where, you know, they'll they'll rush four with, like you said, four guys that can't really get to the pass rusher with one move. And it's, you know, falling back and cover two, cover four looks and just getting torched because they'll just find that hole in the zone. And, mm-hmm. and DeAndre Baker, um, his inexperience. So it's uh, – <laughs> we're definitely – on, on offense with Daniel Jones, it's like, okay, this is going to be fun to go see against this defense. But on the offense, on the defensive side for us, it's like, oh, this is this, the Eagles are definitely going to have a big one. Um, I, I'll say they're good against the run, though. I mean, but that's that's the strength. Dalvin Tomlinson, Dexter Lawrence, you know, Leonard Williams. They they've you know they, they've been getting into some of uh, Williams has gotten into some of BJ Hill snaps, if I'm not mistaken. Also, yes. a solid player in BJ Hill. So. Uh, O'Shane Zimenez would, would probably the rookie there would probably be the the one I would try to run at, but like down the teeth of this defense is is a tricky proposition with those guys in the middle. Yeah, and it's and it's nice to see them. It's gotten us in those third down positions a decent amount, but then it's like okay, we're, yeah. we're not doing anything <laughs> on third down. Yep. Um. Well, it it is Monday Night Football in Philadelphia, and I'd be wrong to not bring it up. Philadelphia, you guys have some of the craziest fans in the world. And I know some of our listeners can't stand you guys. Yeah. And I will, this is, this will be my most unbiased take all years. I secretly love Philly fans. I like when you guys won the Super Bowl, I was not rooting for you at all, but when it was over, I'm like, I can't wait to watch what goes down in Philly tonight. (laughs) Where where do you guys stand on that? Are you guys, are you on the side of like, Oh, like we shouldn't do that. The national media makes a bigger deal of it. 
Or are you like, why don't we just embrace that we are the craziest people on, on in America? I, I have I have no problem like with the Crisco polls and and all that stuff and people climbing stuff and, and being crazy. <laughs> Obviously, I don't. You know, there is the viral video, the guy eating the horse crap. Like that's just some drunk idiot. I don't think that speaks to the entire fan base. I don't. I don't. I don't know. But uh, no, I I love the the crazy uh, fanaticism that is the Philadelphia Eagles fan base. It's what has you know allowed me to have a career in media covering the Eagles because it's so popular and they Eagles fans consume all the Eagles media they can. They love this team, man. They have such a crazy passion for it. And if I can kind of equate it to, to something like you, you looking on the outside in, for instance, uh, I recently got into it with Buffalo Bills media earlier this year. And instead of like shunning me or whatever, they kind of brought me on a bunch of different podcast shows. I was on some radio on Buffalo and I interact interacted with a lot of different Buffalo fans and I had some good conversations, but I was kind of being harsh on them. So I had some really tough conversations with them, too. But like ultimately, you could tell that every person that interacted with me just loved this team and was fanatical about them. You can see it in the in their in their pregame tailgating, their nuts and whatnot. And, and I can understand where they come from from a mental perspective because it all hasn't been. You know, the Eagles didn't get that Super Bowl until 2017. Buffalo has their own sorted past trying to get a Super Bowl, so I can definitely relate to them. So I love fans like that that just don't give up. They love the team. They have a tremendous amount of passion, and I think that's what the Eagles are. And look. There, there's a saying, no one likes us, we don't care. If the national media doesn't like Philadelphia fans, what does that change for us? Absolutely nothing. I still sleep at night, so who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I've always said you guys should, like, more people should embrace it more. And I think the Bill Burr rant on Philadelphia, that, that stand-up <laughs> thing was, I almost thought about pitting that as the last 10 minutes of the show. Like, you know what? <laughs> people listen with the, to this with their kids in their car. I don't want, yeah. I don't want to put that in there. Well, yeah, I think, it's, I, love, I think it's hilarious, though. I don't take offense to it at all. I think it's awesome. <laughs> you, you mentioned Buffalo fans, and, and last year I just put up a clip. You know, Josh Allen last oh. played a game against Miami, yeah, and he underthrew it. Now, it was a tough, uh, you know, running to the left throw, but he underthrew it. Yeah. Like, I just put a simple caption. Josh Allen's supposed to have this rocket arm. Can't make this throw when it matters. Just, you know, a simple joke. Yeah. And the thing about Buffalo fans is, you know, we all deal with the crazy people who have, you know, random things as their profile picture. They were coming at me with DMs of like the nastiest things, and then in their profiles, like the picture with their family and kids. And I work yeah. in real estate, like, like they. That's the the thing about Buffalo fans is they don't hide it at all. Yeah, there's some like New Testament quote on their on their <laughs> profile. Yeah, like Christ and like all that stuff first and whatnot. And they're they're coming at you with just some of the the, the most vitriolic language you can imagine. I love it, man. I love some some people can't like some people can't really handle that kind of criticism. But like I've been interacting with Bills fans all season, and like thankfully the Eagles beat them because if not, holy crap, would they be on me even more? <laughs> But yeah, they're really fun, dude. So I have no problems with fan bases like that. It's just what fans are gonna do when they love their team. That's it. That's that's how that's how it works. And like everybody gets on Philly for booing. Booing is like the least offensive thing you can do, the least aggressive thing you can do. It's just a guttural sound. Who cares? Like the the players in Philadelphia all recognize. Yeah, we, they should boo us. We played like crap. I boo too. So the players get it. The the city understands, and and that's just the way it is. Yeah, as, as a Yankee fan, you know we're not. For booing and, and there's kind of this new age like why do we do this it makes it it's like no we understand that it's stupid but it's just <laughs> it's right. just fun and it's a dumb thing to do as a fan <laughs> anyways michael i appreciate you coming on for anyone that you know wants to learn more about the eagles um you know our fans like to see all that kind of stuff follow them at, at michael kiss nfl we'll make sure to tag you and everything michael man i, I appreciate you coming on 
Brother, this was a uh, pleasure, and good luck to you Monday night, man. All right, see you then. All right, so a lot of people are starting podcasts today. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Their creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will, di- will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one play. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You'll be glad you did. Some of these guys got to get their head out of their ass around here. All right, thanks again, Michael Kiss. Don't make the joke if the Giants beat the Eagles, Michael Kiss my ass. Don't don't do that. I don't want any of our listeners to do that, okay, Danny? That's a yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. But I mean, it's clever. Just don't do it. All right. Um, no, seriousness. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. Uh, I appreciate him giving you're, us. Y'all all right, Michael, even for an Eagles fan. Yeah, we appreciate him giving us his time. All right, Danny. It's that time of the week. It's the time where we pick our X factors. But because it's the Giants, we call them Giant factors. And then we ask it on Twitter, and people give us snarky remarks because we've lost eight games in a row. Danny. It's Monday Night Football. Eli's back. Hashtag one last ride. Who is your giant factor this week? You might think we would go with the obvious in Eli Manning, but no, you're wrong. I went with Sterling Shepard. Reason because of Eli Manning. Eli and Sterling, they have that connection. When Odell was out, him and Sterling got along well. I think Eli's going to rely on Sterling Shepard. He's going to give him the rock when he's able to. I think Sterling Shepard's going to have a big game. A, a touchdown, maybe two. Eli's going to hit him with a deep ball. He's going to Sterling Shepard and Eli Manning are going to lead the Giants to victory Monday night in scumbag Philly. I cannot wait. I'm I'm freaking pumped now. It's I I'm I'm kind of excited that's Monday night football, but now it's like I got to wait. But you know what the best part about Monday night football is, Danny? Is you got all day. You got your normal Monday ahead of you. And that means you get all day to just marinate that. It's game day. Eli's back. And it's the Eagles. We hate the Eagles. I'm pumped, man. I really am. I start listening to your hand and mine. I'm going to start listening to Guess Who's Back by Shady. Or Shady's Back by Eminem. I'm going to be pumped. Danny, my giant factor, though, is on the defense. It's a guy who got his first NFL start last week. It's Julian Love at safety. He is probably going to garner most of the attention uh, for Zach Ertz. Like he is going to cover Zach Ertz and man, man the man coverage when the Giants blitz. And he'll probably be covering him in zone. So Julian Love, that's a big test for him. And you know what? He plays fast and aggressive, and we need him to do that. And when he's playing deep, we're going to need his speed to cover a guy like Alshon Jeffrey. And I think Janoris Jenkins is going to have, big, have a big game against Alshon. Julian Love is my giant factor for this week. You're in. You're young. It's time to go, man. You're replacing the biggest playmaker on this defense in Jabril Peppers. Go out and make yourself a playmaker, Julian Love. I agree with that 100%. Uh, Julian Love, if he didn't have a terrible game, he made uh, some good tackles. Well, if you, Danny, if you agree with it 100%, he would have been your giant factor. Oh, okay. He's just going to throw me into the All right. I, I see how it is. So but... you agree with it like 95%. He's just not your giant factor. Oh, okay. 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 But no, Julian Love, I, I, I have faith in Julian Love. He, it's going to be learning experiences from here on out. 
But he's going to be someone to watch. Even though Jones is on the bench, he won't be getting the learning experience on field. Joy Love will be getting some crucial on field learning experience. Yep. All right, Danny. It's game prediction time. Monday Night Football. Danny, I'm going to start it. Go ahead. It's the return of Eli. Giants 77. Eagles 0. Whistle, go. Danny, what's your game prediction? You don't bet against Eli. And in these situations... Except for 50% of the time. Yes, yes, yes. But it's, it's a game like this, the nation watching him, all the all he went through this year of being benched for Jones, you don't bet against Eli. Giants win 78-0, but realistically... You won upper, oh my gosh. But we're going, we're going, I'm going realistic. I'm giving you an honest score prediction right now. This is the first on this show. Giants 27, Eagles 20. Ooh, I like it, Danny. I like it. Um, maybe we'll go 28. I, that, that's a good one. I like that. Because I just did a little, like, we're only going to score 17 points. Ha, 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 ha. Old Tom Brady quote. All right, Danny, it's Monday Night Football. It's the Eagles. I'm pumped. I'm, I'm ready to go. I didn't think I'd get this pump recording this podcast, but I am. Um, it's I get That really is the Eli factor. That Now it's, it's Nostalgia City. If they win on Monday, that that's gonna be the hypest twelve a.m. podcast you'll ever hear. Oh yeah, we kind of need it because well, the last one was a Dallas game that was that was very frustrating. the The other last late night was Thursday night against the Patriots. That one wasn't as frustrating, and then all the preseason podcasts those were late. And I mean, we were undefeated in the preseason. Remember those times? Remember, Danny? It's like you know what? Preseason doesn't matter, but it feels good to win. That was yeah. our line. Yeah, and it, and it was summer, so I, we didn't care recording late. I, I, I was reminiscing about those anyways. I'm like, man, that was the good old days when we were 4-0 in preseason. <laughs> and <laughs> Kyle Luletta threw a game-winning touchdown to Alonzo Russell. And we oh, were I, I just realized Kyle Luletta's on the Eagles practice squad. Is he still on there? Screw you, Luletta. I Luletta. think he is. They go to Luletta for help on Eli. <laughs> I should have asked Michael to be like, hey, man, what's the deal with, what's the deal with Luletta? What's going on with Luletta? I, I assume he is because I haven't heard anything about him not being on the Eagles practice squad. Danny, we are a factual show, so we will look it that, up. That, that, that's what I was just doing. All right, let's see who can get it first. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia Eagles. Got it first. All right. All right. You guys were wondering why we kept Alex Tanny around. It's for, it was for this week. Imagine, right, imagine, like, Eli, absolutely, like, let's say he sucks. I hate to put that in everyone's head. But they don't want to keep starting him, so they just look over on the bench and they're like, "Alex Tanny, <laughs> imagine." Danny, I'm I'm not going to imagine that. Don't tell me to imagine that. Out um, now the outrage everyone would have. <laughs> All right, that's the show. Special shout out. We have two Frank the Tank listeners. Um, it's Frank the Tank Scooby Snacks. His dog passed away the other day. Man, that's that's rough stuff. So I want to give him a shout out. Much love. We're family on Talking Giants. Um, so go go show Frank the Tank the support, man. It's uh, his at is let me look it up real quick. It is at Scooby Snacks with a X twenty three seventy five. So shout out Frank the Tank, we love you, man. Um, Danny, we'll be back Tuesday morning. We'll have a podcast Tuesday morning to react. Hopefully a win, even though we kind of want a loss for the tank. But you know what? We'll we'll be excited for a win. We'll see you guys after the game. Until then, let's go. Big blue.